Welcome to Web3 Unpacked. I'm your host, Rich Pasqua, founder and CEO of ARC. Each week we unpack the Web3 revolution. Join us as we discover and explore the people, projects, and visionaries building the trusted web. Hello and welcome to Web3 Unpacked. This week we're excited to have John Lay join us. John is one of the leading artists and NFT creators on the Exchange Art platform. Welcome, John. Hi, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So, yeah, we're excited to talk a little bit about the art world, your world, who you are, and kind of how you got started. Can you tell us a little bit? We'd love to, to understand your journey from like traditional art, illustration, maybe even beyond illustration into painting or sculpture or whatever you're into, how you made that jump, the digital jump, the NFT jump. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've been chasing this creative career for um, the better part of 12 years here. And um, I started in corporate America and uh, I did a little bit of graphic design work, uh, UI, UX, and, um, you know, started to realize that that wasn't exactly the right fit for me. Um, so then from there, I kind of trickled down through different mediums to kind of find that area that felt like home. And I think um, everything as I look back now in hindsight everything was really geared towards storytelling you know um, I, I always wanted to tell stories in some kind of way but then of course I had to kind of hone my craft in and, and learn different crafts to, to be able to get there so from working in corporate America to then um, getting an apprenticeship in LA to do screen printer posters for a comedy show called The Meltdown with Jonah and Kumail um, I did that for a while um, and at this time I'm still straddling both jobs and uh, not until I think maybe uh, 2016 did I um, finally go from corporate America to just full independent. And um, what really helped with that transition was um, becoming a, broad a broadcaster on Twitch, where I live streamed the production of art and kind of spoke to my audience. And from there, I really started to or understand what a career online um, was like and how to manage communities and how to engage with fan bases. Um, from there, I got contracted to work with Adobe. I did um, live stream for a couple of years um, until I realized again that it wasn't the perfect fit for me. And so from there, I went to um, I, I went fully independent, uh, quit my job, quit Twitch and was just doing freelance for a while. And uh, I knew that the place I wanted to end up with was um, was comics, um, but comics was just a very daunting kind of thing to get into. Not many new artists are signed a year, so it kind of took me a while to kind of hone in the right skills to be able to get there. Um, but then, um, you know, by uh, you know persistence and hard work, um, finally got uh, my first shot and got signed in 2019 my first debut book came out in 2020 and so as i'm working on this book and as i'm about to wrap it up um, i start to really get interested into uh, crypto as well as nfts um, which you know at first it wasn't you know the I think the first time I heard of NFTs was the big Beeple cell, right? The big 6.75 million. And I think a lot of people relate to that. And, um, right. And, uh, you know, for, for whatever reason, um, maybe because I was too busy uh, being an artist or whatever, um, the, the money didn't woe me too much, right? It didn't, it didn't kind of hook me as much. Um, it wasn't until um, the fall or late summer slash fall of 2021 where I started to, you know, I had a couple of friends that onboarded me in January. They finally, you know, helped me set up a wallet and and gave me some soul when it, when you know before it hit its run, and 
I started to in September and um, August, September, October, I started to kind of like mint NFTs. Right. Um, and, and it really was just kind of getting that collectible side out of me. And I was still heavily in comics. Um, I was still finishing up my first title. I still had two contracts on the way and something kind of like I, I think as the veil was lifting from the the business practices of comics and then I saw what was being built on web three, it kind of started to, you know, as one veil started to lift, the other one started to introduce me to different door that kind of led to a different way how mediums could exist. And so I think the first big thing for me was understanding, you know, I was buying these NFTs and I was trying to turn my small bag of soul into a bigger bag of soul. And I started to understand, you know, exactly what a smart contract was, ex exactly how royalties could kind of right some of the wrongs that I saw happening in comics. Um, and, and, you know, what happens in comics is a lot like what happens in any creative field, whether that's film or music or anything and all of the above. So, um, after a while of doing that, I really started to see that, oh, wow, there, there, there could be something here that could allow me to further, um, engage with my audience while expressing myself, but have more autonomy of how I went about it rather than um, just playing the game that I was born into. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's fascinating because personally, I'm cut from a, a design cloth, a creative cloth, studied design in school, and, you know, kind of had a very similar uh, trajectory as you went into, you know, graphic design, posters, printing, into UX, UI, digital product, and kind of that's where I am now, CEO of a company now, but um, every artist's journey is so different, you know? Totally. Um, and it's a very personal thing, and, and making the leap, you know, when you, when you were telling us about making the leap from, you know, the full-time graphic designer guy, corporate guy, into the fine art world, that's a shift for you personally, but mentally it's a, it's a big thing. And a lot of people yeah. don't understand that, you know? Right. Right. It's very and, emotional. You know, it's financial. It's, it it's, 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 uh, you know, it's crazy. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Cause it, and, and I don't think I'm done with leaps to be honest. Yeah. If, if the patterns repeat, right, there was a, there was a leap from corporate America into, um, being independent and doing gig posters. And then there was a leap from those things to doing live broadcasting. Then there was a leap from live broadcasting to do comics and then from comics to NFTs, which, you know, at a certain point, it feels like you're kind of trucking along this highway and you're kind of picking up these little things that you can grab and bring to that next leap, bring to the next venture and um, just hope that you're wiser and smarter and you can leverage the opportunities in a meaningful way. Yeah. And, and you know, I, another great point, you know, it, it's pivoting. Artists like to pivot. They don't like to stay in their own, their, even the own boxes that they make, you know, um, and, and it's interesting that you're able to do it, but it takes it takes a lot of courage to do that, you know, um, and it's unsettling uh, it, for a lot of people. But you did it and actually, you know, you're kind of, you know, living the dream, you know, posters, comics, all of this stuff. So now I want to dip in just a little bit about your personal style, because when I, you know, on the surface, you know, going to the exchange and maybe I know you or I don't know you. And I'm looking at it at just at a, you know, from a surface level, I'm like, wow, instantly, you know, John Lay is like, yeah, that's my guy. I would definitely buy one of his pieces uh, printed or NFTs because I'm a sucker for, you know, all things comics and um, not the hugest fan, you know, uh, collector, but I love comics. I, I, 
you know, part of my whole creative background was shaped by movies, comics, books, and music. Can you, can you give us a little bit more? I, you know, when I look at your work, I'm like, wow, Cowboy Bebop, Ghost in the Shell, you know, I think I dug out for Matt, uh, uh, Blue Submarine number six, you know, the totally. crazy old school. Did a whole retro learning session there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, instantly there's something there. There's homage. There's your own style filtering in there. What, you know, what helped you kind of get to where you are from an artistic point of view? Yeah, um, I mean, I think uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? So it's it's it all started probably with the Matrix um, ah, when I was ten years right. old, right? And and oh, that, man, I love that right, and that that movie was so uh, prolific and profound and more than I would ever understand, and um, or you know, in, in my young age of ten years old, but you know. Um, you know, for for uh, not not to get too uh, sappy or anything like that, but you know, um, Matrix was the last film I watched with my dad, and and my dad had passed away shortly after. And um, what had happened from there was, um, you know, at that time it was uh, my father, my mother, um, and my sister. And so my sister was at an age where she ended up finding the love of her life as a high school sweetheart. Uh, my mom remarried a couple years after, so it left me in this pod, right? This this lonely little pod, and much like you. Um, what saved me from that pod was music, movies, and comics. Um, and, and again, um, when you think about the through line between those mediums, it was storytelling. It was it was times when I felt that something was written about me, um, therefore it made me feel a little less crazy. So I think as I've gone through life, um, you know, uh, it's it's been really interesting to see how much really ties back and how much everything's really connected because um, as far as visual artistic influences, I have an acronym called MOM and that's Mobius, um, yeah. Otomo, and Miyazaki. And those three have really um, heavily influenced what I do from a storytelling level, from a spiritual level, and very much from an artistic level. And you know, I think the only, you know, as I'm so glad that you said that there is so much of my own style coming into there. So I, I feel that I I am on a plane with those three gentlemen that have taught me so much about myself and, and how to hone in my craft. But then I think the the part of me that comes in is I grew up in California. I smoke weed and I listen to hip hop. So it's a bit of all these guys that I love, but there's a lot of California energy wrapped up into that. And a lot of just my life, right? Of, that sounds of, very quintessential California. Yes, right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> on brand, right? On the brochure. Yeah, you're right on brand. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, you know, I think it's really just my... Uh, what I hope my style is, is um, from my perspective anyway, is, you know, definitely sci-fi fantasy, um, but drenched in hip hop and California culture um, and just, um, you know, the tales of a lonely kid trying to figure his way out. Yeah, uh, there's so like looking at your art, it pulls me in because I'm from that generation, too, where it's like a lot of pop pop culture you know, Japanese culture, which is completely different story, storytelling, which I, I love. And, and I'm glad you bring that up because storytelling, it may sound cliche to guys like you and I, um, but I say it every single day to my, my team, whether we're working on a marketing, advertising, a website, products, branding, whatever it is, if you're not telling a story, you don't have a story. You know, you, you need some foundation and you need those vehicles to pull you through. 
Um, and, and it's, it, it's, you know, it's phenomenal to hear that, you know, you know, these kind of things kind of save your life, you know, these kind of influence. Absolutely. I, I, you know, for me, I always compare it to sports. Um, nobody really gives a shit about a, a ball going through a hoop or a, a, a wooden stick hitting a ball. Like nobody really cares. They, they care about the, these men and women that are striving for greatness and, and, overcoming adversities and if they can do it then hopefully you can do it too so it really that i i think that's why sports is billion dollar industry just because it is a storytelling engine that continues to refresh year after year after year yeah it's interesting you bring up sports because you know apples and oranges for this discussion but very appropriate in the sense that you know throwing a ball through a hoop is one thing it takes skill and all that stuff how much of that do you actually want to see for your whole life, which a lot of people are happy watching just the sports, but what's happened is the players themselves, the teams, the players, their stories, their personal lives, sometimes their investments become part of their narrative and they become part of a, a, a bigger story that it kind of extends the play, right? So, you know, I, I, I ran uh, design for a Nickelodeon online for, for many years uh, back in the day. And we had something called edu edutainment, but it was about connecting kids to characters they know and love through games that extends the experience and mm. through storytelling. So beautiful to, yeah. To, so for us, the NFT world, is literally we're just scratching the surface and i always love to say this it's like a brooklyn neighborhood you know or an la neighborhood that maybe was down in the 90s the artists move in they show everyone how to kind of live on a kind of a free and, and expressive level and then everyone wants to move in you know and then we get priced out and then you get and then you, <laughs> you, you you hit john you hit the most important part you yeah. get priced yeah. out because yeah. uh, yeah. honestly that's exactly what happened to me and many of my friends who lived in right. williamsburg for many years right so um that aside now how do you how do you see nfts progressing right so right now we have jpegs and sometimes they're animated and i have a friend you know i was talking to you about uh, a buddy of mine josh davis who 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 actually embeds code you know he does generative art and i'm not talking generative art as an ai art he he creates algorithms that creates based on parameters creates wonderful posters and art and animations so he, he's starting to break the rules and and a lot of other folks are breaking the rules where do you see NFTs going from that perspective without getting too techy, but, and maybe where do you see your art within the NFT world going perhaps? Yeah. Um, on the bigger picture, I, I think I'm, you know, proudly ignorant of it all because I, I think like, you know, even last night I was, I was poking around of like, how, how do you do this kind of code art, right? Writing algorithms. And I sucked. I barely made a square, you know? Um, and it was because a article was telling me how yeah. to make a square. <laughs> and, yep, um, yep. so, so I, I, I think honestly, um, I, I really look up to those minds and, and they kind of become, um, pattern disruptors for me where I, I look at, it, I was like, wow, I, I don't even understand how this happens. And I become deeply fascinated in it. And, um, you know, I, I kind of love uh, navigating the space thinking that or from the lens that probably the best interpretation of NFTs is not yet born, right? Like they, they, they may be born tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. 
and maybe they're really going to show us what 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 this uh i don't like to say medium but this uh this kind of thing um what it can actually do right um as for me um being kind of part of this uh I don't think I'm first wave, maybe 1.5, maybe two. Um, doesn't really matter. But um, I think for me personally, I, I I want to bring storytelling from from the way I want to do things into NFTs. And there's a couple things with that, right? Because I think in any kind of angle that you approach this space, there's always a discrepancy between the cadence of innovation and the cadence of maturity. Mm-hmm. So as you try to bring that cart along, um, I think there's a couple things where you kind of have to do things in a digestible format so that people can understand the weight and the provenance of certain things. Um, right now, I think we are in the age of NFTs are a singular experience, right? You, you mint it, you experience it, maybe it's posted, then you auction or, or whatever. And it just kind of ends. Um, sure, the, the narrative strikes up again when there's a secondary sale or so, there's certain things like that, but all of that is very monetary and it's not narrative driven um, from the creator right it's a, a narrative that spins off after the creator releases something and it becomes a interactive narrative that the audience and the creator take hold in um, what I'm interested in and what I'm working on currently is how do you take that singular experience and how do you stretch that on to something where when you have something like Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad and these are mm-hmm. cultural public spaces events where you don't show up Monday if you didn't catch Sunday's episode, right? Like <laughs> you you, yeah. you have to be there just like WrestleMania growing up, right? Like you, you had to experience it to be able to talk in the cool clubs in on Monday. So um, the one of the things I'm working on um, to kind of be a stepping stone towards comics because co- I've been very clear that comics will be the end goal and um, redefining how comics can exist in our world through NFTs is the end goal. However, I don't think that the because of the cadence between market maturity and innovation is so off, I think that it's going to take digestible stepping stones for people to expand their interpretation of what an NFT can look like, feel like, and how long it can last. So one of the things that I have coming up is an IP that um, I hold very dearly to me, which is called 30 Days. And 30 Days is essentially um, 30 one-on-one NFTs that are released um, five days a week, six weeks in a row. And it's going to tell one overarching story that um, really personifies this this feeling of taking a leap into a new place and trying to make things grow essentially and the adversities and the hoops and the um, obstacles that may come your way during that and so that is the first step i i do believe it's sequential storytelling um, but it's not going to be what we would be able to google what a comic is Um, it's something that i think i'm going to tie very much to the tech and the experience of what nfts can be Um, but then eventually i think that the the next thing for me would be my next ip for next year which is iota which will be um very similar to other graphic novels there's quite a few logistical things we have to do there but really for me it's always i think it's always as far as I can see right now, it's always going to revolve around storytelling and how can I create compelling experiences through narrative and storytelling. F- fantastic. Um, you know, and you hit on a couple of points there. Uh, uh, one is extending the play or the, the actual interaction. And, and, and two is something that we talk about nonstop on this, this, this podcast, which is adoption. 
right? And really, that's what you're talking about. Right. And and there's a term that I always use frequently uh, is, you know, being being too early is sometimes the same as being wrong. Right. Yes. So uh, and you obviously don't want that. But as artists, we we're put on this earth to break things. Right. And to reinv reinvent them. So I really love that you're taking you, it, it, it's that idea of binge watching or having to tune in every Sunday for, uh, you know, White Lotus or Game of Thrones or something like that. And there's a certain delayed pre pleasure from, you know, or excitement from having to wait a little bit. It's like a throwback know? to the old comic strips. Well, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah. comics were released in series, right? And you, you, you know, whether you were a Batman, Superman, uh, you know, Deadpool, whatever you were into, you, you, you kind of loved the idea of, of um, following these characters, you know, and, and fantasizing about what the next collection's about. So I really like that you're teasing it out. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a lo-fi way of actually extending it and doing something new with it. Um, you know, I've heard of other people, you know, Quentin Tarantino, uh, which I actually really like this idea, selling certain segments of, of movies, of his, you know, Pulp Fiction or, you know, a I got 30 seconds of Pulp Fiction that I actually have IP to, you know, that, that's pretty damn cool. Uh, now, you, you know, you spin into the comics and then you drip it out. I think that's really cool. It's, it's continued engagement. I, I think that's what's exciting is, is essentially we're in a, we're in a market that is all about pattern disruption, right? It, it, nobody wants to do what somebody did last week. Everyone wants to do the next thing. So yeah. um, it's it's conditioning quite a great rollout of content just as, as from an audience perspective, right? Because everyone's trying to disrupt that pattern and do it in different ways. So I think that's what, what really kind of hooks my interest in the space is not only does it right so many of the wrongs in previous business practices, but it actually, um, you know, you just feel like you really have a shot to change things. You know what I mean? You, you have a more tangible um, objective where you can actually um, not be the first at something, but you can just push that needle forward. And you don't feel like you're a pawn that when you put something out, it goes into the ether. You, I just feel a little more involved in this scene. I was, say, I was just curious uh, to that point, John, uh, how much does the community element play into this? Because when we spoke with Adam Karen. He really emphasized that at Exchange Art, there's so much kind of dialogue that takes place between the artist and the audience that that, that line that we usually think of here, we're producing something, enjoy it, starts to disappear. There's a, there's a back and forth, there's a give and take. Right. Um, you know, I, I only know from what most people kind of tell me, right? But um, especially friends from ETH starting to contact and, and asking like, you know, what Solana is like and onboarding several artists from ETH over. And the, the, the kind of through line that keeps happening is, is people talk about the community of how, how helpful everybody is and engaging everybody is. And, you know, that's, that's something that I, I'm very proud of. I, th I think me and, and, um, quite a few others in the Solana ecosystem alone, especially on exchange, um, we, we have we have done so much to set the tone of a community kind of um, a, a very fruitful community where we help each other. You know, a lot of my time um, 
a week to week is spent on one on one calls with a lot of artists and, and just paying forward everything it is that I know, um, everything that I've done to hopefully instigate their imagination. Right. There, there's really not much um, from from the way I see. I, I don't really see much competition between artists. Um, I see artists competing with their past selves and, and trying to make better stuff. So, you know, it, it's 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 rare when this kind of thing happens, right? When, when, and maybe it's just because we're early and, and everybody is, you know, the whole wag me energy, we're all going to make it or whatever. But, um, whatever it is, I hope to, you know, um, as long as I'm, um, in any way, um, leading any kind of pack, I hope that I continue to set the precedence and the tone that, you know, you, you don't have to, treat this like a competition in the way that it's detrimental to your practice, right? You can treat it as a competition that um, nourishes your practice and, and, and nourishes your competitors' practice and push each other. I, I John, I think we here, especially at ARC, um, we share your sentiment on on sharing, literally sharing, right? And it, it's a beautiful thing when you actually see it in motion and you're part of it. Because this world we live in now is all about gimme, gimme, gimme. What do you got for me? And when you, whether it's, whether it's a music community, I belong to a couple of like modular synth communities. I've never heard one no. And it's all like, let's collaborate. Let's make something together. Here's how you fix something. It's a really special thing um, that doesn't come around a lot. And the reason for it, and you, you hit on some of this, part of it is, yeah, this is all new technology. This is new. This is new, not even technology. Forget it. It's a whole new mindset. Forget the technology. It's a mind shift. It's a bent, like mind bend for a lot of people to wrap their heads around what an NFT actually is and the value of it. But what we're, what we're seeing is, um, you know, wonderful communities bubbling up. And I, I always like the, the sniff test with anyone, whether you're a podcaster, uh, analyst, or whoever, whatever you are in the crypto space, if they tell you they're an expert, they're lying. Because there are, you know, truthfully, I mean, there are some people that really know a lot of stuff, um, you know, but we, but it's still a world that is undefined and there's no, there's no playbooks yet. So it has, you have to have really interesting, tightly woven communities that are not predicated on mass numbers, but predicated on quality. Uh, of people you know yeah yeah and and, you know it's really interesting because then it kind of sends my mind into a place where i think that you know um i i had to ask why right because because when when by the time i got into comics um it didn't feel like don't get me wrong there's several people there that share the same sentiment and they want to pay everything forward and and likely often when you when you become that part of that big of production maybe you just don't have the time to give your time to everybody else um but there's something about where i don't know i I think there's so much humility involved with artists that come to web3 um and and from my perspective i i wonder if it's because that we we're so whether we knew it or not in our previous industries or our previous gigs or contracts or whatever we were so oppressed right we were given we were dangled a carrot and we were told this is the way the game works and most of us nodded our head and agreed to it and then here we go to this new entity or this new world where okay this challenges all the things that we had an inkling in our brains of why is this this way in comics or films or movies or whatever and 
I think, you know, it, it's sometimes I joke about it where it's like, you know, sometimes it feels like we're in a refugee camp, right? Yeah. Not to, sorry, just strictly metaphorically, um, not to bring war into it or anything, but um, where, where these, all these people are just, you know, even with the, like, you know, with, with us being in a bear market and we're 95% down on tokens or whatever, still living a better life yeah. than we were previously so it's it's one of those things where i think there's so much humility in that and and i'm so grateful to see so many people kind of pay forward what they know and you know I, and you know just I, I can't speak for everyone else but for myself it's it's kind of like you know i came into salon at a time where um it was it was i i don't want to say easy or anything but it was it was a perfect kind of timing moment for me to kind of catapult um onto solana and I think the reason why I have no problem sharing trade secrets or just helping all these artists out is because me being the top or, or highest grossing or anything, none of that is because I'm better. It's not because I'm better at drawing. It's not because I'm better at storyteller. It's, it's because timing and, and being able to, like, I've had experiences in life that I was able to leverage, um, something I couldn't control, which we call luck. So it's that understanding of like, I'm not better than anybody. I just got a golden opportunity and I can't wait to see the next person get the old golden opportunity. So I'm hoping that is what is echoing throughout the space. Um, and you know, for whatever reason it is, I, I'm very grateful to see everybody kind of, um, being very selfless in their, in paying forward their knowledge and their, you know, their expertise. Yeah. And I think, uh, you're hundred percent right. I think there will be more opportunities down the road uh, down the like within minutes within days this thing is moving it, it all of this technology is moving so fast and you know as far as nfts and utility driven nfts because we look at we love the art movement of course we're really rooted in you know like um real estate sharing through with nfts rev sharing uh you know um you know all sorts of IP kind of and rights management we're really into. Um, but it is moving fast and there is opportunity. There will be the next person who goes, oh, I just connected the two dots, just like John Legg. I'm, now I'm going to do something in video or some kind of organic uh, AI driven, whatever it is. Uh, and I truly believe we're only literally at this point, And this is why it's so this point in time is special. It's because we do have something new with a new philosophy around it that does offer freedom. And we're only limited by our own creativity. There's no other walls. That's it. You are your own wall. And that yep. is it. Yep. And, and, and it goes so far out, right? Because because when I get like, it's starting to get to that point and it's been this way for a while now, but like where interviews like this, the professionalism, the, the screening of questions before, like stuff like that. This is what I remember from comics, right? Like this is how professional comics interviews were set up and, and how it was. And so, um, I have such a deep love for journalism and how, how important journalism is in this space because we have to document all the amazing things that are happening, but it's hard, right? It's, it's really yeah. difficult to keep up with the cadence in which things come out. How do you possibly time your interviews with marketing and all this stuff? But it's, it's invaluable. I think I, you know, I was just on a space, um, a couple of weeks ago talking about the importance of art critics. Like I, I, what, and what I'm trying to get at is, is like, I think, a lot of people get into Web3 and they're like, oh, well, if I don't code, I'm not a big finance guy and I'm not an artist. And what, what position there is, is there for me? 
well, man, there, you know what I mean? Like we, we need so much more than that stuff. You know what I mean? We, we need an actual ecosystem where, you know, the, like and journalism is such a big part of that. So, you know, I just become, you know, just a moment to give you guys your flowers because I, I just, I'm so grateful to be kind of back in these seats where um, it is reminiscent of what I felt interviews should be like back, back in my old career. Oh, that's awesome. And we appreciate yeah. the feedback. Yeah. And we have a simple philosophy where, where every crypto podcast literally is on fire, like not in a good way, <laughs> uh, cr- crumbling. They're, they're shutting down networks. The news is all. We have a simple philosophy. Our, our purpose is literally understanding the technology, the innovations and the people behind these projects. And that is it. You could take it for whatever you want. Like, oh, my God, you could be a Wall Street investor and watch one of our things. And if you're smart enough, you put two and two together. Like the company that that Rich and Matt just talked to um, is really interesting. I'm going to reach out to them. That is a potential. I Not only it's not some guy, a talking head uh, on CNN or Fox or CNBC telling you to buy a, a coin or, hey, this is, looks interesting or look what Elon's doing. It's no, these people are really building web three, go check them out. And it could be a good investment. Rich, this is something we talk about a lot. And John, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Um, When you talk to people who are new to NFTs, what's the big leap? Because like when we do look at a lot of media, there is this kind of inability to fully understand its potential just yet. I think it's starting to catch on, but there's still this big gap. So when you talk to people either in the art world or when you talk to friends or you say, hey, I'm doing NFT art now, where, where do you find the big gap of knowledge takes place? Yeah, you know, it's changed quite a bit because um, I... I... I think that, you know, at first when my life was changing so fast, I I wanted everybody to kind of reap the benefits of what I was doing. And, um, since then, I think I've, uh, I've changed my perspective a bit going to DC and talking to members of Congress and staffers about NFTs and stuff kind of really changed my perspective. I understood that, um, money being the hook of your conversation, it can actually be quite detrimental. Of course you have to adapt yourself to every audience member you speak to, but, um, Money as the hook tends to get people to tune out at a certain point. And and I I think back to, and I think all of this encompasses empathy, right? Because I think back to when my friends were, my friends had seen a career for me in NFTs before I got into NFTs and they all meant well. They all wanted me to succeed. They all saw that there was an opportunity for me to really capitalize on something and I didn't listen. And, you know, from a poor artist's perspective at that time, it's like, man, like, I'm not going to buy this crypto for $10. Like, even if I had $10, like, if I had $10 left over at the end of the month, I'm going to buy cigarettes. I'm not going to buy a <laughs> cryptocurrency. You know what I mean? So, and not a role model thing to say at all, but that is very raw really? and what, yeah, it's, it's very much what it is. Right. And so I think it's, it's really just about empathy. And nowadays I think more about, um, when I speak to somebody about crypto or NFTs, I, I tend to leave the money out of it at the beginning, unless it's an audience member that really needs that monetary click to, for them to be enticed. But nowadays, I, I talk about the cultural aspect of it more, about how this could change how we discover artists and, and what artists are discoverable, right? Like no longer, like in comics, especially Western comics, if you're not somewhat born in the West, 
it is very, very difficult to, to get your name out there. And I see NFTs as a way that it doesn't matter if you're born in Bali or Indonesia or Southeast Asia or anywhere in between. You can be discovered just on the by having a sliver of Wi-Fi and knowing how to play the game a little bit, right, of marketing and storytelling and all those things. So honestly, I, I think the the gap of it is is there's there's so many unknowns and and this is something i realized that at, when i was in dc because i got so many good questions about what happens in this case and it would be a very complex case of user does this um, consumer does this and my my repeated pattern of an answer started to become that we have the same questions you and i the difference is I'm on the ground floor trying to figure it out and you're high above trying to see if we can figure it out. And that's okay. You know, and so it's just going to take time until people come in. So I think for me, my onboarding tactic is far less aggressive these days. It's far less forward. It's it's leave some cookie crumbs. And when I get their curiosity over their judgment, then that's my window to actually speak candidly about what I see in NFTs. Um, but most of the time, if I'm getting judgment, then I don't get curiosity and I can't possibly have a convoluted conversation about the beautiful or the beauty of NFTs. John, I think that was extremely well said um, because it, it, we have conversations with newbies and you know, every single day, like, what is this thing? Even people who know a little bit about it, like, how do you do this? How do you do that? Immediate, it's like, what would you invest in? And I'm like, no, that's not, that's not where we start. That's not where you start. Do you know why and when crypto cryptography was created or uh, cryptocurrencies created? 2008 financial collapse. Cypherpunk said, not on my watch. And that's how a lot of this started off. You got to give them a little bit of the history, a little bit of, you got to warm them up to the psychology and why this thing is great. It, why trustless systems are amazing in the future. Um, it blows their minds and they 99.9% .9 of people can't get over that immediately. It takes a long time. And I love the point where it's as soon as you see a kernel, an inkling of interest, that's when you can start to open up and kind of dig a little deeper. So it's a great way to put it. Yeah. You know, prying for that moment of curiosity is it's just so dangerous. You're going to scare them away. And it's like hurting cats. You know what I mean? Or get into a fight. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's but, you know, at the same time, what we're asking for adoption and, and that, that gap to become smaller, um, I think for me, empathy is so important and patience is so important to remember that we're asking a lot, right? Because there was a time where I lost my fuse and I'm having a conversation with somebody in comics and I told him, I was like, you know what's funny, man, for, for an industry where we wake up every day and we, we make books, why is it that so little of us like to read? And and that's you know and that's how I feel about the toxicity of NFTs from the comics world. I'm just like if you guys just listened, if you guys just read something and, and educated yourself. So, but then when I have my more patient self, I understand that you're asking a lot. You're asking people in a in an age where information is spoon fed rather than found. You're asking them to find. That's a lot for people to do with everything they have everything else they have going on with inflation worries and home ownership and all this stuff. And you're asking them to find more information that is not easy to find. So 
honestly, like I just become more patient in that onboarding tactic now because I understand that life is hard and very few people are fortunate enough to have time to go discover an answer rather than be fed an answer. So I just try to leave cookie crumbs and give people time. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, we, we live in a world where everything is a micro soundbite or that you don't want it. And the idea of in, like getting back to the idea of investing yourself, your time and your energy a little bit longer in an artist, a comic book, a, a movie, a series, whatever it may be, a letting yourself, you know, be patient and letting yourself kind of take your time and enjoy or savor something is so foreign these days. It's kind of crazy, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it makes sense, though, because yeah. at the same time, I remember, uh, sorry, I'm such a tangent guy, but um, it, it brings me to this moment I realized in my younger or like, I think my mid to late 20s where there was some big California lottery and there was some kind of internet post that went viral about like, Oh, if this was divided up, this pot was divided upon all Americans, each American would wake up with this in their account. And then I started to think, it was like, wait, so humans can create something where we can raise a pot of wealth that would alleviate everyone's stresses. Why don't we do that? And then the answer became clear, right? Well, like who's going to serve me coffee tomorrow morning? Who's going to make sure the street lights are running and who's going to maintenance my car tomorrow? Like, Control is a very interesting thing. You know what I mean. Yeah. So, so, so it, when 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 I, we were speaking earlier about like how do you how do you close that gap and and oh like it's you have to be patient because we're asking a lot. Well, we're asking a lot because breaking conditioning is what you're actually asking people to do, yeah, and that's yeah. okay. That's normal for artists and creative types, right? Like we're used to breaking patterns. Most people don't ever want to break a pattern because fear of what happens after you break a pattern. Sheep. <laughs> um, there, I mean, it sounds a little callous, but it, that's what it is. Sure, people, yeah, are, yeah. people are programmed. To your point, they're programmed from birth. You know, right. it's in your DNA. It breaks my Whatever. heart. Like honestly, it breaks my but, heart. Yeah, but, right. But John, you were of the corporate world. Did you always think outside the box? Did you always kind of know you were an outside the box thinker, or did you used to feel? Was there a, an epiphany moment for you? I think it's just you, you continue to touch that hot pot and you realize who you are. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's I wanted to. Gosh, I don't know. It, I, I don't know if I was always an out of the box thinker. I, I think I grew up like many Asian Americans with a lot of pressure from parents to get into very conventional jobs. And maybe that was the first inkling where I was like, well, I don't really want to be a radiologist or I don't want to be a lawyer or whatever. And so I, I think it's it's always been prevalent. And, and the more I get into things now, I just, you know, don't get me wrong, like, chasing a creative life and being an out-of-the-box thinker is not sunshine and rainbows for the better part of 12 years it was flying very close to the sun and changing my relationship with money right and, and understanding that okay you're you might like porsches a lot but your life that you signed up for is not a fast track lane to porsches it's a fast track lane to something else and and be aware of that, right? Like, don't don't be entitled to like, oh, like I I'm gonna do this until I get that dream nine nine one or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a that that you know you just you know, it's like a lifetime of of lessons and you know one conversation because it because I started off that way and it's funny I love Porsche I, someday I will own but I don't I don't put all that pressure on myself. 
I, I don't do right. that on a daily basis. Anymore. It is not the reason At you least do the what Porsche you do. NFT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> Which is minting very soon. <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, we, we're going to be talking to Volkswagen very soon, actually. Oh, wonderful. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 100%, um, don't put that pressure on you. And it is a lesson that no one can teach you. You have to learn yourself. Is your relationship between money, what it's worth to you in in emotions and pain and creativity and coming to terms with it and 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 not overcoming it work with it you know uh so it's fascinating there's so many little tiny angles you could take to this uh the whole approach to it john what are kind of just curious you're, you're always trying to reinvent yourself and rethink things are there any kind of interactive events or shows or projects that you're starting to build on that people can uh can kind of look to yeah um as far as you know in-person events not, not exactly yet there, there's been some thinkings um of of things that i could utilize the two new ips to do but nothing concrete yet um, it's one of those things where i just want to enjoy this this kind of moment where I set my production schedule and I, I, I can build high production ip i can fund the high production ip and i can do it my way and for me, I just want to make sure that, you know, the, the reason why I'm so adamant about taking things step by step is I, I want to make sure I can tell the best story possible. And then after that, the marketing, the the events, the things to kind of throw gas on the fire, I do believe that I can come up with those things and not only come up with those things, but execute, execute those things um, a slightly easier than telling the story itself. So, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's a dream to be able to get back into galleries and, and do, you know, retrospectives or even, you know, with the 30 days um, project that I told you guys about, like, it, I would love, it, it all takes place around this uh, this botanist that is sent to a desert planet to see if he can make things grow. So he's obviously in a lander spaceship that lands on this place. I would love this kind of show where it's all of the NFTs around it and then an actual installation of the ship um, in the middle of the room um so so there's definitely things like that kind of on the way but i, I don't want to get i think for me when i in my process of creating i don't ever want to get too caught up in the the marketing aspects uh, before the thing is actually made so i'll wait till the thing is made be patient and um and then kind of start rolling things out um on that end i'll have a little element yeah, of surprise Right. Yeah, yeah. The marketing end, I have no no doubt. You're you're already tuned into kind of modern contemporary, you know, uh, channels, and you understand where you know younger generation art collectors are and whatnot. Um, and I, that that'll be a free for all. Like especially in the, I really like what you were talking about as far as the kind of the installation type of portion of it in the physical space. Um, you know, what what do you think? Um, what's your idea? I know you talked about that whole series that you're doing, but collections versus series, where have you been finding uh, your luck or your, your stride? And what do you, do you think the market, you know, we don't really talk too much about markets, but in the sense of NFTs, when you look at pop or, or contemporary uh, news outlets, they're like, Oh, well, the NFT market is, you know, soggy or whatever it is. And yes, everything's taken a hit everything what are your thoughts on some of that yeah so i i think that 
um, it's funny. NFTs are under so much more scrutiny than any other business, right? So, yeah. so we do get headlines like that, whereas nobody cares if this mom and pop shop met their numbers last week. You know right. what I mean? So, so NFTs are under scrutiny because of how sexy they are. Um, and, you know, I think uh, for me, I've had a bit of... Um, I've had a bit of success in both, uh, you know, one of one series, which which each one is just one singular NFT, um, no copies of it. And then I've had a great amount of success on additions. And so I, I honestly think that, you know, for me as an artist navigating this space, it becomes more about... Um, Yes, there are so many levers and tools to provide more value to your um, your audience and your fans and stuff like that. But then at the same time, it's balance of how do you balance this of, of continue to giving them value, not oversaturating yourself so that it becomes dull and you lose your bite. But at the same time, how do you balance all of that with disrupting the existing giants of industry? So, you know, I, I've been talking about this a lot recently where, where you know, in, in Solana, when I release something for five soul and 1500 copies, um, there's a lot of scrutiny around that. Right. And, and I try to, again, expand that interpretation because I feel that if I had just sold 1500 comics, why would anybody in comics care? Even if it was a thousand dollars a comic, why would any of them care? They, they will care. When I can consistently, or not I, but we, can consistently sell 20,000 to 100,000 units of a singular thing. Because then they realize that, wow, the direct customer base that exists here is very competitive mm. right so so for me it's it's yes it's it's how do i utilize this technology to engage with my audience in a more fruitful and more robust way but at the same time how do i leverage that interaction to then disrupt giants of industry um and and it's a constant balancing act between those two yeah 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 um and i you know we've looked at tons of your your work are you currently offering nfts with a companion physical piece or it is that not even in your lexicon like it's not even in your universe or maybe some some nft artists like who cares i don't i don't i don't even want the physical stuff or you could be like damien hurst who is like you know who is one of my all-time favorite artists he he i mean he's a nutball um he, you know he's 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 a wild guy but you know he's videotaping himself uh, burning what I would consider precious pieces of art. Uh, that's his own to prove a point that this is an indelible, you know, NFT that is not going anywhere. What do you, what do you think right. about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, the only time I've offered, uh, physicals attached to the NFT is, um, for Iota, which is a comic I just, uh, did, uh, essentially a seed round, f um, funding for and um all i've promised is with 1500 copies that each of the 1500 um i will um self-produce and self-publish um, 1500 hardcovers to a company that nft and that nft will essentially be the coa of that there's a certificate of authenticity um, because i don't really want to burn the nft and lose the provenance of that i want people to remember this moment that you directly supported an ip um, through its creator rather than through its publisher um so there are a lot of other things that I want to do, though, because I, when I think about it again, it goes back to that point of nobody's going to blink an eye at fifteen hundred units. I need to sell twenty thousand units, and so the whole play with IOTA will to 
because I don't want to, I, I think when I came in and everything was really punk rock, I was like, debt to publishers, all this stuff. And then I realized, no, like, you know, publishers right. still stand uh, um, and, and hold great purpose in distribution and things like that. And so um, my plan with IOTA specifically, and 30 Days is a part of this too, is to essentially self-fund IP. Um, and then go back into these negotiation rooms with publishers, whether it's the direct book market, direct book market with comics, or the actual book market with you know Simon Schuster and Penguin Random House. And my plan is to pitch them a title that is done, that is funded with a fan base, and offer them a licensing agreement. Mm-hmm. I no longer ever want to hand over IP without understanding all the implications of handing that IP over just so that I can get a cash advance because that's normally how it's done in comics. And so my plan is to present an IP that is fully funded and um, you know has a fan base and then pitch them a licensing agreement for two to three years and see what happens. And if not, then enough funds have been secured to self-publish the entire thing myself. So I don't know how, how things are going to go about that, but just to kind of revert, bring it back to the question of like tying physicals to NFTs, what I see there that if, if say image comics or dark horse comics or whatever says, yo, we, we will publish IOTA. Um, then at that point it would be so interesting to then embed an NFT into each one of those. Right. And just, you know, again, it goes away from the scarcity kind of mindset, which I, I don't, I'm not married to the scarcity mindset. I am empathetic towards why collectors feel a certain way about it. But at the same time, I think about the cultural effect, right? Because if you onboard, if you sell 20,000 to a hundred thousand units of a singular book, um, and it all came with many people's first NFT, that could be a cultural shift. That could yeah. that could be a huge breadcrumb that brings curiosity rather than judgment. So you know the way I'm playing it is step by step and 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 very much uh, learning from what everybody's doing and seeing what can I apply to what I want to bring out. Yeah, it's how a- receptive do you see conventional publishers? Sorry, just wanted to it, say that again. How how receptive are you? Do you see uh, conventional publishers right now to NFTs? Right now is a different story, right? Um, and and it, you know, right now they're they're a little busy dealing with AI art, but um, it's you know, it's interesting. When I when I took the leap, um, several artists were being blacklisted for doing NFTs, right? Whether behind closed doors or very publicly in in um, in front of closed doors, and where if you had done things with the NFTs, then you wouldn't necessarily get. Um, you wouldn't get that gig or you wouldn't get that series that you wanted or whatever. And um, I think that's going to have to change because at the end of the day, big business, um, that that's a very personal play from the editors and stuff like that. Um, that doesn't bode well in my mind to big business, right? You, you need the best talent regardless. You need to sell books. Um, you got to, you got to keep up with markets. Um, but truthfully, I, I don't know how, 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 how big publishers will really take it. I mean, you we've seen publishers like Valiant as well as DC um, explore heavily of, of what comics and NFTs are like. Unfortunately, I don't think they've found that gooey center. I don't think any of us have. I think we're all trying, and, and that kind of is what I love is DC is taking a wild swing, and I'm taking a wild swing, and we don't know who's going to actually create the thing that pushes the needle. Um, so I... I, I don't know 
exactly how they're going to respond. But my, my whole plan is to speak in a language that they understand, which is money. If I can match them on that and show them that, hey, this raised, um, if one IP raised a quarter million before it even hit shelves, then what does that say? And, and, and does this alleviate things for you as a business? Does this let you focus on things that are more fitting to your business? Um, I'm not really sure. But at the end of the day, it's like if they don't, then that there's the direct book market, which is all comics. But then there's also the book market. The book market... I don't know as well, but you know that's another angle of approach to try. And if none of those work, then well, things will have to be structured on the creator end to then self-publish everything and and build your own relationships with printing houses and stuff like that. So really, it's it's I think it's still crystallizing of what what that perception is going to be. I mean, all really good points, John, and and. The way I see publishing right now, and no one has a crystal ball, to your point. Like, we don't know where it's going. We don't know what they're planning. Uh, they could have something amazing, uh, you know, uh, in their back pockets. But what I will say is the ones who kind of shut down the idea immediately, they probably don't have much runway. Because it it's very disruptive. I'm not saying NFTs are going to take over, you know, every book or every this or that or every piece of medium. But you're kind of going to get lost in the shuffle. The ones who are curious, the DCs and and beyond, they're going to do well because they're going to have a like a maybe a small team, little skunk works team that's kind of messing around on the blockchain, kind of building things, building a marketing infrastructure that might work. Um, but ultimately, you said something before about your approach, which I really liked, and I think it is the future. You're starting backwards, whereas every young artist wants to knock on DC's door and I'm the next Stan Lee, I'm the next whatever. Um, and there, here's my book. I spent years sketching and writing and, and doing whatever I'm doing within the comics world. And it, and it doesn't work that way anymore, right? There's a, that's a dime a dozen kind of philosophy, but what you're saying, and I think it's a tr it's truly one of the newer models that will emerge is, you know what? I built a fan base on on Discord and Telegram. I do a live uh, Twitter Spaces each week with fans and curious people of cur uh, comics. Um, I've raised X amount of money through my NFTs and perhaps a, a token that you might've spun up for your brand. And, um, I'm in business and then you can knock on their doors and say, you know what? I've got a good thing going here, but I really would love that physical companion or that, that physical book companion to the, to the piece. You got a better story. You've got weight. Now you've created your own weight because you can. And, and now, you know, you're going to, to me, that's the way you're going to be ju judged less on your artwork. And it's like, what does your audience look like? You know? Right. And, and, you know, coming from just a comics rookie that, you know, I, I had a couple of years in comics and what I had noticed is, you know, you, you, you give up 50% of IP. This is like the general creator owned deal. And you, you give up 50% of your IP, you get a cash advance. The cash advance has to be paid back in, in back in sales. And 
what tends to happen is you get all that you get distribution support throughout your entire series but you only get heavy heavy marketing support on issue one right and then the next month comes and another issue one has to be um the, the energy has to be directed towards them so then in the end in the end um it relies on self-marketing again. And this is where I disagree, right? Why would I give 50% if, if after issue one, I had to self-market anyway and I had to sell the book anyway? So, you know, it, it becomes one of those things where, you know, I, I'm, I'm very grateful for Web3 for, for one thing that it's really showed me is that art business has two words in it. And there's art and there's business. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really silly, but it's for 12 years, I focused on art. I focus on craft and I think it made me better, right? It made me really realize and weed out the weakness of myself and the weak character points of myself to make sure that, okay, this is actually what you want to do. But now that Web3 has made business so, um, you know, learnable for me. Now I'm understanding that, okay, it really comes down to direct customer base, right? And, And this is how I find peace in the bear market too, where it's like, you know, in five years, I want to build such a trustful customer base that it doesn't matter if I sell a teapot, an NFT, or a comic. I have a group of people that believe in me and they trust me that I would not create a subpar product for them to enjoy. And I think that's the intangible for me, right? And and so it's it's one of those things where I I I think that's where we start pushing on how do you take what it is you love, and in my case it's comics, and how do you redefine how it can exist in the world? And that's it right there. Because because we when we made our first IP, um, my writer had to punt the whole bill, and not until we got signed did he start seeing money from it. But the money that he sees is a cash advance. So it's it's one of those things where it's like it's I, I can't help but look at NFTs as a way that um, it allows us to sidestep it in such unique ways. And the technology is so robust that everyone's application of it and perspective or perspective of it, it can be so vastly different. And nobody's right or wrong, right? It's just what's right for you and your brand and what you're trying to sell your customers. So true. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I think Matt, you had a question. Uh, well, Matt and I have a question about, um, uh, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up a little bit about AI art, right? Generative art. Um, you know, we would be remiss not to have a, you know, a fantastic, uh, you know, fine artist in front of us and not ask this question. Um, we've been playing around with things. We've been having discussions, uh, you know, with uh, artists that are new to the space and old timers and uh, really advanced artists and, and NFT artists. And we get a lot of different feedback, um, which is we're, we're curious as to, you know, from one artist to others. You know, what's your POV on it? What do you, what's your take? Yeah. Um, it's very spicy right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I, uh, surprisingly, I, I don't have that big of a problem with it. You know, um, I, I actually messaged, uh, the founder of mid journey yesterday, cold call. And, uh, you know, just asked him because I read a Forbes interview snippet that where he talked about how, um, to be able to actually, license the images and and send proceeds to to the artist or whatever it would have to be embedded with metadata so of course in my mind i was like wow yeah 
how much do you believe in NFTs? You know what I mean? And, and yeah. how, you know, is there a way we can work together to kind of alleviate their public pressure and all that stuff and also bring NFTs to a wider market where artists understand now that, okay, if we just put it on Instagram or whatever and we don't embed metadata, we are giving art for free yeah. on the internet, regardless yeah. if there's a buyer or not. So um, on that end, um, I'm very curious where that goes and, and maybe AI art is what becomes, you know, I had a stoner thought on the porch yesterday where I was like, wow, maybe a art was that crux that becomes like oh wow we have to embed metadata we all have to as we save as we have yep. to embed metadata so right that there's ownership yeah exactly and so which I, which i think would be a net positive right um on the other end i'm i'm i don't i feel like a lot of people and and i, I you know, I don't know. Maybe I don't know, and I haven't researched enough. But I'm in listening mode, and I but I can't help but I feel like a lot of people are projecting insecurities at this point, right? They're scared of losing jobs and stuff like that. And for me, I I I'm not scared. I I'm really not. I I figured that where AI sits right now, and and first of all, on just a really quick note. Um, I would be a hypocrite to say that, okay, for illustration, sure, I don't need AI because I've dedicated so many years to this craft. Say I need a video game and I can type in my IP, source the imagery and be like, create a slasher video game for me. And if it made it, damn right, I'm going to sell it. Right. (laughs) So, so on that end, I feel hypocritical where it's like, okay, just because it's in reach, I can talk shit on it. But if it's out of reach, I'll probably utilize it. Um, On the other end, um, I just had a conversation with my fiance about this the other day. And I believe that right now, when we look at AI, um, AI is fascinating in the sense that it's really good at transmitting data. Um, It's really good at that and facilitating and transmitting data. However, we as creatives, our biggest strength is our ability to disrupt patterns, right? There, there's a reason that as you scroll through Twitter and you see all these PFP projects and you see all these um, cash grabby kind of things, not not linking PFP projects and cash grabs, but just, you know, as we go through Twitter and we see all this noise, the reason my artwork sticks out when it does to a certain consumer or viewer or fan is because I disrupted a pattern in their scrolling. Right. Same thing as when I was at a convention table at these comic cons and it was all this comic book fan art. And there's this one table that is doing original art. What did I do again? I disrupted a pattern. Same thing when a punchline from Dave Chappelle comes. He disrupted a pattern that made us laugh hysterically. I think that's the true gift that humans have and creative humans have is we are the best at disrupting patterns. And that's how creativity hooks people. So. As far as jobs go, if it alleviates certain tedious tasks like storyboarding or anything like that, then I I think that, you know, as I've seen in in life and my my whole mantra through life is adapt or die. You know what I mean? Like move on to that harder thing that only a human can do. I I love the idea of patterns, uh, John, and I love the book Pattern Recognition, if you haven't seen it or or read it, um, you know, the study of how humans perceive patterns and what it does for us. And, and, you know, there's, there's a saying that I absolutely love that is like, you know, beauty or God lives in, in the, in the negative space, right? It is, it, it, you know, a, a, a beautiful symphony is not all the strings playing at once. It's actually the silent portions or the spaces between notes that, that helps it. Um, And, we see because we've been talking about it a lot um we see it as a tool 
and we see artists first and foremost are the first ones talking about it. Some of them poo poo it. Some of them love it. Um, uh, I have a friend that's actually doing, he does wonderful work in, uh, you know, action 3d animated, uh, in live action movies. He's using it to storyboard his mo entire movies. Phenomenal. Um, you know, it's a tool and artists are the first ones on it. The first ones to say something and be vocal about it, but they will also be the first ones to break it and reinvent it. And that's what we do. That's what we do. So much like NFTs, the discussion we had around NFTs, John, that we don't know where it's going, but I could tell you there's some really cool things bubbling and you're only limited by your imagination. Same thing here. Once you break it and reinvent it, it becomes something different. Totally. Right. And then you can use that tool to disrupt patterns. So, so like, uh, and, and, you yeah. know, it's for me, it's, it's, it's exciting and it's new. And I, I understand that. Yes. Sometimes, um, technical innovation can be abrasive to us wanting to live within a pattern, right? You got that job. Now you got the mortgage. Now you have the car payment. You, you don't want to disrupt that pattern. I, I get it. And it's very hard. And, and sometimes when innovation happens so quickly, it becomes abrasive and it becomes terrifying. Um, but at the same time, as the overall purpose of art and life and how to express yourself, I, you know, I think it'd be worth a lot of people's time to, to find patience and find empathy because yeah, sure. You have hands and you have a mind and a vision and you've been drawing for years and now you feel threatened. Well, what about that artist that didn't have the, the, the hands and they, they were paraplegic or they had a skin condition and, and they, they sure they can't do all the tedious discovery work to get to their final composition. But now this can alleviate the, the first 12 hours of their process. Why would we alienate a quadriplegic from that, right? If they can now use this tool to further express themselves. So I think there, I, in, in other things, I think there is a more of an anger towards the integrity or lack thereof that an artist would use that tool with. Right. It, 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 and we want to, of course, I'm speaking in the ideal dramatic sense that, oh, this is a paraplegic that was brilliant with vision, but didn't have the hands to communicate it visually. Um, but then on the other end, yes, there are going to be a lot of bad actors, but at the same time, bad actors are lazy and unconcerned and they don't disrupt patterns nearly as well as hard workers. So. I really do think that, you know, it, how much does it affect uh, my career and where I'm headed or people like me? I, I really don't think that much. You know what I mean? Um, over time, I, I think people just need to see how things play out. But I just think over time, if you look at all these beautiful, like, say, alternative movie posters from Mondo or from James Jean or whatever, yeah. a company's not going to type in an algorithm to get a James Jean. Like, you can get right. close, but at the end of the day... You're going to need that guy or that girl or whoever they associate themselves with. You're going to need that um, that visionary to, to actually sell your product. So, you know, it's a again, I, I agree. It's it's I think it's a fascinating tool. I have no idea where it's going to go, but I'm, I'm deciding to be curious over judgmental again. Yeah. And it, you, you can't separate the, the the innovative human mind because yeah. The, the person themselves right now we're just getting wow that's a cool illustration of a robot in a uh you know a japanese kimono which is actually one one that's one i actually created but um it was a steampunk whatever it was a japanese robot whatever um you, you 
what you're getting is a pretty picture. It's really interesting, right? And if you're a really good photographer and illustrator, that picture tells you a story in one shot, right? But technically, you know, how we are the story, the, the story makers, right? And right now they, yes, you can type in anything you want and, and say, give me a story for this, but really, is it going to be cohesive? Is it rooted in history? Is it rooted in uh, personal preference and past knowledge and everything else like that? No. Uh, that you know that's scary that that will definitely scare me if that when it becomes a bit more sentiment uh, sentient I should say and, and starts to develop things on its own with an emotional spin to it that's scary but uh, yeah I think it's just you know a matter of perspective and understanding that these are tools you know well John I think something that's great and as we kind of wrap up, it, it, it's a unique perspective you're giving us because this, this technology can, in a sense, expand creative consciousness. You know, it's the collective creative consciousness, and it's pulling people into the art world who may not be able to. So rather than seeing it as a threat, we see it as a, as a way to lift all of us up. Yeah. Um, I, I would rather, like, you know, with all the... Uh, I, I, again, I'm full of empathy, and I understand that this threatens a lot of people. But at the same time, I would – for me, life is a lot like drawing. I don't start at the most complex detail. I start with basic shapes. Basic shapes are digestible data for me to massage into complex things. So then, you know, it's – would I lead this front on – this AI with a circle through or a cross through it. No, it's, it's, I would tackle the bigger, more important thing is, is they're not fearful of the tool. They're fearful of those who will lack integrity that will reap the benefits of a hardworking artist. So then how do you right. do that? You educate how to have integrity as an artist, because that's really what's going to set you apart. And so, you know, it's, and, and it's, it's one of those things where like these days with, with digital art and everything, it, it's been like this for years where you can trace anything and you can edit a couple things to make it look good or whatever, but integrity is going to take you further. Right. So I would put more of my energy in educating the importance of integrity in art. Right. Because because at the end of the day, after years and years of doing this, making something beautiful was not the most challenging part. Having integrity of, of doing what was true to me, that was the hardest part, the, the, the quiet struggle um, that many people don't talk about. Mm. And I think, uh, you know, the, the general core philosophy or theory of, of blockchain is truth and integrity. How do you make how do we insert technology as a third party to govern truth and integrity really that's what it's about very exactly verification instantly between two parties not 15 you know so it, it, it's it's a really interesting uh uh you know, it's a it's a conversation that can get so philosophical and deep uh and 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 very fun per you know personally but uh I'm sure yeah we'll yeah uh, John, we, you know, we're really excited. Well, one, we obviously excited about the art you've done right now uh, and that you can get on uh, exchange.art um, and check it out. I, we encourage every one of our listeners to look, look at his work. It's phenomenal. Um, you know, 
we're interested well, i'm very interested in that comic book like the, the series that you want to release can you keep us do us a favor keep us posted on that because we would love to do a little you know whatever it is a little book opening or yes. you know unpacking the book you know or the the comic itself absolutely uh, go through the art in a little more detail a little your little bit of your process and some of the you're like marketing yeah like just get into brass tacks too absolutely we would absolutely love that Thank you guys. Yeah, I, I will definitely keep you guys posted on uh, both of the IPs I'll have coming out this year. Yeah. And John, just as we wrap up, we, we always like to do this. If, is it, do you have one final takeaway for budding artists, for people who want to learn more about you? Uh, we always like to kind of send off with a nice little, you know, nod to your work and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> there, there's so many better things I could do to keep people posted on what I do. But I think right now the best places is Twitter and uh, possibly my uh, collector's discord. But, um, you know, other than that, you know, it's just uh, I think uh, as just as a signing off is, you know, time and time again, choose curiosity over judgment, sit and listen and be patient and uh, have empathy for others. And I think we'll all, we're all going to be all right. Thanks. So much, I, I love that. I and mean, that, that works across the across the board yes <laughs> not just in the art world yes everyone take that home write it down we'll solve world hunger with that pillow. yeah <laughs> yeah well yeah well let's just be nice to each other yes we'll start with that yes <laughs> we'll start with that. absolutely that's what i would take um fantastic john thank you again we really appreciate it fascinating projects uh we we hope to see you soon thank you guys thank you and happy holidays to you guys yeah happy holidays thank you <laughs>